Welcome to the first podcast from our fifth season of podcasting. I'm Dr. Chuck McGathy. This is the podcast of worship messages from First Baptist Church of Madison, North Carolina. Today's passage comes from Genesis, the first chapter, verses 1 through 5. It is a passage I think many are well familiar with. While I'm bringing that uh, to your attention, I'd like to advise you that we have a website that will inform you about our church. It's easy to remember. First Baptist Church of Madison.weebly.com. And I uh, hope that you will check into that from time to time. I'm reading this passage from the complete Jewish Bible. Uh, so that we might be able to have a good rendering from the Hebrew. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was unformed and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God hovered over the surface of the water. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So there was evening and there was morning one day. Our over-familiarity with certain things can cause us to miss some important details. For instance, we might overlook that crack in the wall, peeling paint or musty odor, not because it is no longer there, but simply because as time passes, we fail to notice it any longer. When a guest arrives and does notice these things, then we recall that, of course, they have always been there. You see, this is just our human nature at work. The same thing can happen when we approach our faith, especially when we read the Scriptures. If we are not careful, we just might not see some important things. Things that have always been there, but through time and habit, we may fail to see. Such is the case in the reading of the first two sentences of the Bible. In the first chapter of the first book, there is something many Christians miss that can greatly affect their understanding of the world and may even lead to a misappreciation for the Genesis account itself. Now, full disclosure before I begin, I believe that God is the creator of all that is. But I also do not believe that the Bible's beginning was intended as a scientific breakdown. Genesis is a theological work telling us about God and his nature and purpose and plan for his creation. Failing to comprehend this important distinction has caused unnecessary woe and forced many to reject the Bible altogether as a book of myths and fairy tales. Frankly, if it had been God's divine intention to teach us science through Genesis, wouldn't it make sense that he would also include just a few more details? Instead, what we have are sweeping and poetic accounts of the progressive development of our world and lives and our lives in it. One specific 
misunderstanding frequently surfaces in the dating of the beginning itself. And this most likely is something you have heard about many times. How old is the earth? One answer commonly given, quite honestly, flies against a hurricane of scientific fact. Science tells us the earth is about 4.5 billion years old. Many, but not all, by a long shot in the Christian community, contend the earth is no more than 6,000 years old. How can this discrepancy be accounted for in Scripture? Remember what I said about our failing to notice the obvious? Well, let me show you an obvious yet often missed detail found in the Genesis creation account. Again, here the first two sentences carefully noting time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was unformed and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God hovered over the surface of the water. Pause for a moment. Then God said, let there be light and there was light. The thing not to miss here is that there is an undetermined time gap between what happens between verses 1 and 2 and verse 3. Because of that, it is not possible to confine the dating of the earth to a mere 6,000 year span. That time frame may cover the time of the patriarchs unto the present, but the Bible clearly says that planet Earth is older, much older than that. Now, I hope that is not a troubling thought, but an exciting one as we can now hopefully depart from a scientific discussion and more properly think about the intended message of Genesis 1. That message is directed toward our souls and may inspire just as much renewal in it in us as it did in its original hearers. The great creative heart of God is on full display in this auspicious beginning. In it, we see a God who is busy at work in our behalf for a good future he proposes. The meaning of the creation is not old news, but fresh news. It tells us about our God, a God who is continually making all things new. He is a creator, a redeemer, a resurrector. And this is where the scripture story begins. It wants to introduce us to this God. That is the theological message of God in our connection with him. The earth was unformed and void and darkness was on the face of the deep and the spirit of God hovered over the surface of the water. This reminds me of two things. The imagery of an unformed void and darkness causes me to think of my days at sea. Those who have experienced a carnival cruise may not relate very well to this. Life on board a ship of war is quite a bit different. At night, silence is maintained throughout the decks. No band playing, casinos whirring, or sparkling shows. The only lights are red, and there are few of them. On the upper decks, the darkness of the sky is blending in in such a way that one cannot tell where one begins and the other starts. It is challenging physically to be ever tossed by the sea, sometimes roughly and at other times gently rolling, but always, always moving. 
The physical challenges, though considerable, are nothing compared to the emotional and spiritual hurdles one must face. There is, of course, the absence of land. Home and family are memories, hoped for reunions, but present only in the heart. And spiritually, the constant nagging questions about God and who and if we are with him. For some, there is the awareness that right there on the lonely ship tossed about on the dark night, that the spirit of God has not been left on shore, but hovers over the face of the deep. I also think about the new year. The year 2024 may seem like that formless void and darkness. The feeling of being adrift at the mercy of the waves and being overwhelmed, I'm sure, is not unknown to most. And yet we will not forget the last reminder. The Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. Genesis, indeed, all of the Bible speaks of a God who is with us. It describes a creator God who we quickly learn has three characteristics. Our God, hovering amidst our confusion and fear, does something. Let there be light. Then God works to change the unformed void into something good, one step at a time. Yet there is more. Yes, God does these things, but why he does these things also helps us. The Genesis story is about God's love for his creation. God loves this planet, the animals that inhabit it, and us. We are loved by God, and so we can know something of his nature here. God has something to do and someone to love, and yet there is one more aspect of God we must notice as well. God has something to hope for. He hopes for a world of peace and unity. God hopes for harmony in nature. God hopes for our happiness and redemption. Even when humanity falls short, God remains hopeful and promising of a coming day of restoration. What then can we take away from these observations about God? How can that help us as we face the unknown formless void of 2024? To answer that, let's look a few verses ahead in chapter 1 of Genesis. Ponder these words with me. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. It was the Scott Alexander Charmels, Chalmers who originally noted the essential ingredients for happiness. I'm pretty sure that you've heard these two. It goes like this. The three grand essentials of happiness are something to do, someone to love, and something to hope for. Could it be that Chalmers, along with preachers and philosophers who have equally observed these essentials, derived their formulas from the very nature of God? And if we are created in his image, does it not make ultimate sense that as we enter into the unknown sea of 2024, that we too may take comfort and reassurance from knowing that our happiness is not based upon the artificial, false promises of health, wealth, and material gain, but upon knowing God. And to know God is to emulate him. We will be happy if we have something to do, someone to love, and something to hope for. I think we can be a church of very happy people. You see, we have someone to love. 
Hasn't God shown us the great need there is all around us? Aren't there so many who above all other things need love? Isn't every one of us here because someone loved us? Then you know that to love and to be loved is the greatest thing there is. I think we can be a church of very happy people. You see, we have something to do. You notice I have changed the order just a bit. I think it all starts with love. But then we must surely realize that there is something we can do. Now, that may be something entirely unique to you. There are 10,000 things to do. We are not helpless to the winds and tides. We put up our sails and go on into the gale if we must. We trust that what we have learned and what we can learn and God is with us. Finally, we just like our God have something to hope for. The Hebrew prophet reminds us here that God invites us to follow him in hope. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future and a hope. You know what? I believe that 2024 is going to be a great year for our church. We have something to do, someone to love and something to hope for. We may and will face some struggles and challenges and even some heartbreak. But God is right here with us. The creator is still creating. Take heart, have faith, sail on. Let us pray. Lord, as we face a new year with uncertain days, call us back to remember your great creative heart and to join in with action, love, and hope. Thank you, Lord, for the guidance of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.